favoriteest thing in the whole wide world could be? Chocolate. What do you think, Rachel? Christmas. Christmas was fun, and they were looking forward to it, but that was still a long way off. This was something even closer. Who knows what it could be? What do you think? Uh, um, birthdays. Who's that? Birthdays. Birthdays? Does anyone look forward to a birthday? Oh, yes, that's true, but their birthday was still a long way as well. This was even specialer to them. Do you know what they were going to do? They were going to have that night family games night. Family games night. They were going to get out the Monopoly. They were going to get out the Risk. They were going to get out the Ticket to Ride. They were going to get out the card games. They were going to play games from 5 a.m. Well, not 5 a.m., 5 p.m., until 7 a.m. the next day, lots and lots of games, maybe a little bit of Scrabble, maybe a little bit of chess, maybe a little bit of what's a cool game, Tara? Pictionary. Pictionary. Who else has got a cool game? What would you play? Pictionary. Pictionary. Pluto. Which one? Pluto. 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 Yes. So many, so many good games. They were so looking forward to it. You know, it would start at five o'clock and then, and then they'd get pizza in and then there would be ice cream, five different kinds of ice cream. And then they would have chocolate cake afterwards. And then mum and dad would bring in some corn and chocolate. And this is just the most amazing games night. And it only happens once every two weeks. It was amazing. They were so looking forward to it. Anyway, you know what happened to Sandra, Ian, and Nelly? They, was it Sandra? It was, wasn't it? Yes. Now, what happened? They knew that they were having games night that night. But that morning was a Saturday morning. Their mum and dad said to them, right, Sandra, Ian, and Nelly. Yes, we speak like this in our house. Uh, go outside, have a great day today, and we'll come back tonight for... Family games night. It'll be a lot of fun. Don't forget the pizza and ice cream. Anyway, they went outside and they went to play and they were having so much fun. They lived out in the bush and it was beautiful. Oh, and then they came to the river. Bum, bum, bum. Now, when I say river, I don't mean a beautiful blue river with lots of flowing water. I mean a place that looked like it had been a river with squelchy mud that you walked in and you go and it sucked in your leg and then you put the other leg and then you trip over and your whole face goes and your face gets all muddy and anyway you get across and they wanted to oh and Sandra looked at that and said oh I want to get to the island in the middle of the river. I want to come in to, I want to go. And she looked around. Mum's not here. Dad's not here. You know what Sandra did? She said, Ian and Nelly, look over there. When they looked around, 
There they heard the sound of Sandra walking through the squelchy mud. And Ian called out and said, Sandra, what are you doing? You're gonna get all dirty. And Sandra called back, nobody can see what I'm doing. It's okay. <laughs> all the way to the island. And she sat down there and she was covered in mud. Her hair, which was black, started looking blacker because it was covered in black mud. And her face, you could see some eyes, but the rest was covered in black mud. Oh, anyway, she was on the island. She was having fun. She was building mud castles out of the sand in the middle of the island. Oh, I don't know what these others are going to do. Do you know what Ian said? That, that, that Sandra is so, so naughty. What a silly sister. Do you know what he did? He said, everyone knows that if you go just a little bit upstream, that's where all the storm water from the rain comes off the road. And it's much nicer walking through there. And so off he went. They said in the mud and there's Ian walking through the storm water. Now the storm water sounds pretty nice, except have you ever looked at the side of the road? Every now and again, you'd see an old chip packet floating past, or maybe you'd see a rat doing the breaststroke down through the water that Ian was walking in. And he was like, it's okay, it's okay. And his hair, oh, his hair, oh. It started catching all the little bits of rubbish that was floating in the water. He looked up and his sister looked up, Nelly looked up and said, ah, Ian! He said, yes. She said, Ian, there's your hair! He said, yes. She said, ah, I think there's a spider. He said, yes. She was like, oh, my brother is so silly. Anyway, what is going to happen now? So there you've got Sandra in the muddy water. And there you've got Ian going, I'm much cleverer. I'm in the dirty water. Do you know what? Do you know what Nelly did? Nelly said, my brother and sister are so silly. I'm going to give myself a tattoo. And she got out a permanent marker that she found at the side of the road. And she went. <laughs> and she drew on her face. What did she do? I think she drew a love heart and a unicorn on the other side. And she said, oh, don't I look amazing? Now, have you guys ever tried drawing on your own face? Work. Don't, by the way, because you know what happened. Uh, let's ask uh, Linda, have you ever tried drawing on your own face? Uh, no. No. Peter, have you ever tried drawing on your own face? It, it doesn't work very well. It doesn't work. For, do you know why <laughs> it doesn't work very well? Because your eyes are there and your face is there. And it's really hard to see your face when you draw on it. Even if you have a mirror, it's hard because everything is back to front. But do you think Nelly had a mirror? Nope. Uh -huh. just like... Oh, what's going to happen now? Well, anyway, these kids spent their whole afternoon there. And then at about 4.30, here comes Sandra back off the island in the middle of the river. Here comes the incredibly dirty for having swum in water, Ian. And there is Nelly. And they look at each other and they go, 
What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? It's family games night. If we go back like this, mom's gonna know that, that, oh, she's gonna see the mud. Oh, dad's gonna notice all the spiders in the head. I've always said, don't get a tattoo, and now I've got a tattoo. Do you know what they did? They looked at each other, and Ian said, let's be grown up about this. I'm running away from home. Who's coming? And they started. You know what? They were so frightened, and they actually, they actually were serious. They turned around, and they looked, and they started walking away from home. And Nelly was crying, going, I don't want to run away from home. But mom and dad will be so angry when they see what mess we are. <laughs> and as they were walking, Sandra said, stop. And they stopped and she said, are we sure we want to do this? And they said, we don't have a choice. If they see us and see all the bad things we've done, they won't love us anymore. So they started walking on. And what happened? As they were walking away and they were crying, they heard a sound. Sandra! It was a high-pitched sound. Obviously, their dad was calling to them. And they turned and they said, oh, no, they found out. They know what we've done. And they kept walking away. Sandra and Do you know what happened? Their dad was walking to find them. And he looked at them and he said, Oh, guess what, kids? You're going to all have to have a big bath or a shower or something before we have family games night. And they looked at him and said, Dad, you and Mom don't ever want us to come home because we did all the wrong things and look how bad we look. And Nelly was in tears and Sandra was in tears and Ian was in tears. And do you know what their dad said? said, come here. I know you guys did the wrong, I can see you did the wrong thing. And, and by the way, Ian, I can smell that you've done all the wrong things. But what you got to remember is your mom and I love you. You don't ever have to run away from home just because you've done the wrong thing. In fact, come back. Yes, we might be a little bit upset because you all knew you weren't supposed to do that stuff. But we love you no matter what. And we want you guys to be part of our family forever and ever and ever. So today, in the adult side of the church, we're going to hear about a slightly older man than either Sandra or Ian or Nelly. But his story is a little bit similar to theirs. And my challenge to you kids is to ask your mom and dad, mom and dad, how on earth is Nicodemus like Sandra or Nelly or Ian? Can you guys do that for me? Yeah, brilliant. And, and just so you know, the moral of the story is not that your kids can go out and do all the things that you know is wrong. 
<laughs> it is that, you know, God loves us no matter what. Okay, brilliant, wonderful. We're going um, gonna to turn and read from our Bible right now. Uh, so if you guys have uh, got your Bibles uh, with you, uh, could you turn to John chapter 2? Uh, John chapter 2. And we're going to read the story of Nicodemus. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, um, the people saw the signs that he was performing. This is Jesus. Uh, and, and they believed in his name. But Jesus wouldn't entrust himself to them because he knew all people. He didn't need anyone to tell him about mankind, uh, for he knew what was in each person. Uh, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, how can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they, they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, and, and I can imagine Jesus uh, being a little bit, little bit of a sigh maybe as he answers. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell from where it comes or from where it's going or to where it's going. So, so it is with everyone born of the spirit. How? How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe me how then will you believe if i speak of heavenly things no one has ever gone into heaven except the son the one who came from heaven the son of man and just as moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And we'll stop there. We won't have the song uh, quite yet. This is probably one of those passages that, uh, that if you've been around in the church for uh, more than a day, you've, you've heard at least one verse in that passage before. John 3 verse 16. It's probably um, the most famous Bible verse uh, in the New Testament. Uh, a lot of non-Christians will even have maybe heard of it, even if they have no idea what it actually says. And 
there's a possibility that for us Christians, that it's so familiar to us that we actually lose sight of, of just the depth and the wonder and the amazingness of it all. So uh, I think we need to pray this morning that God would open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to see what he wants to say to us, that it would hit us fresh. Now, I, I know many of us have been Christians for a long time. Some of us have been Christians for, for a shorter time, but, but all of us, I think, need to hear this and, and be reminded of our need for Jesus and to turn to him. Um, so why don't we pray right now? Lord Jesus, we, we thank you that you love us. Lord, we come because you love us and because you have called us. Jesus, we own that, that of ourselves we are muddy and stinky and marked by sin. Lord, we need your life in us. Thank you that you have given new life to us through your son. Thank you that you have said that if we believe in you, that we are given new life. And I pray that that life would, would come into full expression in us, Lord Jesus that you would change us to, to know and love you above all else and that your, your heart would become our heart. Jesus, thank you for your grace and your kindness. Lord, thank you for the offer of new life when by rights we deserve nothing but punishment. Father, I pray that you would speak this truth into my heart and into our hearts again this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Please do this by your spirit, Father. Amen. There are some incredibly impressive people out there. Um, th there are some people just who have a talent that beggars belief. Uh, Taryn and I have been re-watching The Hobbit uh, over a few weeks with a friend, and, and Taryn and I every now and again watch these special features. And you just look at these actors and the skill that they have is absolutely amazing. Absolutely astounding. We've got some impressive people in our church even. Uh, you might have seen a few weeks ago, Mark held up a bowl that he had made at Men's Shed. And, and that's impressive. Um, we've, we've got Nig uh, Nigel and Julie there who are expert photographers. And, and if you haven't seen any of their, of their work or their paintings, you, it's impressive. Yeah, I could go around every single person over here and, and say, isn't this impressive? Um, all the amazing skills and gifts that God has given people. And, and it's, 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 it's a good thing. But, you know, some people are, are not impressive in terms of talent. Some people are impressively generous. Um, Bill Gates always had a lot of money, but isn't it impressive how much he gives away these days? Uh, some, people, some people are impressively religious. Um, you know, I, I, you've, you might have met one or two of those people that you go, wow. So that's what, that's what a real Christian looks like. Some people are genuinely religiously impressive. Some people are just religiously impressive. You look at them and you go, wow, you do all the right stuff. And if you don't mind, you're not quite the kind of person I actually want to hang around with because uh, you're, just, you're just overly religious and there's no heart, there's no love, there's nothing there. Why, why do we like being impressive? Why do we like impressing people? Because I think we do, and, 
I think one of the ways to, if you want to find a group of people that understand at least something of human nature, look at the marketers. Uh, quite often, um, I don't know, yeah, yeah, I've seen it recently in the last year or so. Uh, a place like Woolworths will have a campaign where they're raising funds for something and they ask you to donate. And, and what do they do? They say, well, we want people to donate, so let's give them something that they can fill their name out on and put it on public display so that everyone who comes into the shop can look and go, how impressive. Dawn Behetz has donated 50 cents. Oh, that's amazing. Margaret the Greek has donated $32. And then Reg walks in and says, wow, I'm going to do better than both of those. And he donates $32.50. I'm, I'm, you guys know I'm, I'm pulling on your names. I'm not trying to tease you. I hope you're not offended. But, but you know, the, the fact is, they put out those things for us to put our names on and show to the world because they've got a clue that people like being impressive. People like impressing others with how good we are, how generous we are. And, and you know what, if, if I'm honest, I like impressing people. And if I'm honest, I like the idea of impressing God. You know, if, if, if I do the right thing or if I sacrifice so much, um, we, we have this, this thing inside of us thinking that, you know, God's satisfaction with us is dependent on how impressive we are. And, and when we mess up, when we, when we mess up, when we're not impressive, when we're anything but impressive, we, we either retreat into, into just, oh, that's it. I'm going to run away now. Or, or else we, we go into that extra, I've got to make up. I've got to be more impressive to make up for the incredibly unimpressiveness of me. And so that, that's where you get that, that kind of push into hyper-religiosity where, you know, that, those people are so religious that, that you just don't want to be around them. I wonder sometimes whether it isn't uh, making up for a, a deep sense of unworthiness. A deep sense of God doesn't have any time for me because of how unimpressive I am. Um, and I think each of us will probably fit into both of those. Maybe each of us has a preference for one of those. Some of us will be more of the, the moping, well, that's it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run away from home now kind of uh, tack. Others of us will, uh, and we, we, we know people um, who have done that. Um, Others of us will be more of the, well, I'm going to work extra hard to make up for that unimpressive me. We do that with each other, but we do that with God as well. We like being impressive and, and we like being around people who are impressive. It's almost like that secondhand impressiveness will, will uh, rub off on us. Jesus was impressive. He did amazing things. He said amazing things. He, he had a heart for people that was just, it was different. People were always saying things like, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He was one of those, can, can, you, not, can you not sense that, oh, I want to be near someone who cries over his dead friend or someone who weeps over just a random kid who's died and raises him to life again. Jesus was impressive. John chapter two, 
tells us about Jesus going into the temple and turning over the tables and speaking about how terrible it is what they've done to his father's house and saying, you know, destroy this temple. I'll raise it up in three days. Speak, speaking about his own body. Uh, he was impressive. And then he did all these wonderful signs in Jerusalem. That's what we read at the beginning of, of our reading today. Uh, and many people began to put their trust on him, uh, in him, because of all the amazing things that he was doing. And I think that one of those people who was impressed was the bloke in our story today, Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was himself an impressive figure. If you wanted to find a, a, a man who, who seemed to have it all together, who was the religious elite of the day, you'd go and find someone like Nicodemus. He was a, a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. He was, he was one of the, the people who dedicated his life to, to honoring God, to doing the right thing. He was maybe a bit famous. In, in verse 10, Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel, not just a teacher. He says, are you the teacher of Israel? Maybe that's because he's, he's, he's a big shot kind of thing. This is someone who would go to all the right lengths to make sure that he dotted those I's and crossed his T's and never the other way around. If you wanted to find a good, religious, impressive man, you'd go and find someone like Nicodemus. But the problem with, with trying to impress God is the question of how impressive is impressive enough. I suspect that deep down in Nicodemus's heart was a, a fear that, that many of us would have. I'm not impressive enough. A remembrance of those times when he had crossed through the mud or swam through the gunk or painted tattoos that still stuck on his face. He was impressive, but no one's that good. And so he comes to speak with Jesus. And, and it's really interesting. This impressive man comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, he says, you're a teacher. You, I know that God has sent you your, your miracles, the stuff that you're doing. I, I know that God has sent you to teach us. What, what is he really saying? He's saying, I want to know what else God wants. Here is a man who dedicated his life to, to understanding what God was saying. And he comes to Jesus. He says, teach me. I need to know more. I need to know more. I, if, I see Nicodemus very much in the same vein as the rich young ruler, except that he's maybe a desperately, desperate old ruler with many dark secrets and shames that stain his impressiveness. You know that story in, uh, in, uh, in Mark where the woman who is caught in adultery is dragged out before Jesus and he's drawing in the sand and then he says, you know, let, let the person who is without sin cast the first stone and, and one by one the people start withdrawing. And what's interesting about that story is that the people who leave first are the older people. 
because once as we age we we realize we have had more opportunity to draw on our faces and we realize it in the second half of uh, john chapter 2 there's the story of jesus turning the tables over in the temple he's angrily tearing down the status quo for the right worship of his father and actually i think here in john chapter 3 we see jesus turning the tables over again we see jesus turning the tables over on nicodemus because nicodemus comes and says teach me and jesus teaches him but but the stuff he teaches nicodemus just shakes his life upside down he, he says it teaches Nicodemus, you need a new life. If you want to see God's kingdom, you need a new birth. He's, he's basically saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you need, you don't just need an overhaul, you need a recreation. You know what it's like when you have your assumptions turned upside down? I don't know if it's ever happened to you where you've, you've gone on the assumption, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And then at the last minute, somebody comes and says, well, actually, no, this is happening. It's kind of like, oh, I've got to replan everything again. Um, it, it's hard to sometimes even wrap our head around things when our assumptions are turned upside down. And, and he looks at Jesus and says, what? Born, what? He just, what? That, no, that, uh, what are you talking about, Jesus? That's impossible. And Jesus, very, very kindly, very gently in verse 5, spells it out to Nicodemus. He says, to enter God's kingdom, you have to be born of water and spirit. Now, there's a lot of writing, a lot of discussion, a lot of debate on exactly what that means. Um, it's been that way for a long time. Um, but I think it's useful to, to look through what Jesus says. And, and a little bit later on, Jesus actually looks at Nicodemus and says, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't get this. So this is something that Nicodemus should have got. Uh, I'm, I'm not... Nick, what is Nicodemus about? He's a Pharisee. He's a guy who spends his life in God's word in the Old Testament scriptures. <coughs> He's Israel's teacher. This being born of water and of spirit is something that someone like Nicodemus should have got. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36 and have a listen to verses 25 to 27. This is God speaking. He says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And you will live in Israel, the land I gave your ancestors long ago. You will be my people and I will be your God. There's a passage in the Bible with water and the spirit. 
What is God saying? He's saying, I will cleanse you from all the wrong stuff that you have done. And I won't just cleanse you, I will give you a new heart. One that's not stony, one that is responsive. I'll, I'll put my own spirit in you. Nicodemus said, how can this be? Jesus says, God's spirit does what God's spirit does. You, it's like the wind. We can't control it. See, this whole being born again thing, it's not about how impressive we are. It's not even about how unimpressive we are. Because if we're honest, we're more unimpressive than impressive. God's spirit does what God's spirit does. The wind blows where it will. This is about what God is doing. Nicodemus is still in disarray. Verse 9, he says, how can this be, Jesus? And, and Jesus, as we've said, is astonished. Verse 10, he says, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't get this. Everything that he had looked at was pointing to this. Nicodemus should have got that, that, that Jesus was speaking about God doing something new, about God cleansing, about God giving a new heart. This wasn't some new idea that Jesus came up with. This was God's intention all along. The heart, the heart is deceitful above all things. What we need is a new heart. And yet so often, as Chad said to us the other day, we listen to the voice of the devil that says it's all about how impressive we are. Nicodemus hears what Jesus says. Jesus is speaking to him from the stuff that Nicodemus should have known about. And you know what the really sad thing is? Is that Nicodemus, verse 12, didn't believe. Maybe it's that Nicodemus wanted heaven knowledge and he got earthly things. He just wanted to know how to be right with God and he got earthly and earthly things. Well, yes, earthly things because the new life necessary to know God's kingdom. Well, it happens now. You don't get into God's kingdom without being born into God's kingdom and, and you get born in this life. Maybe this was just too radical for Nicodemus. Maybe it was just too simple for Nicodemus. But Nicodemus was making a mistake. The only person who has come from heaven is Jesus, the son of man. There's, there's no point trying to be impressive if you are consumed by the poison of sin. There is no point trying to be impressive if you have got the blotches of sin all over you. Isaiah stands before God in his vision, the very first vision of Isaiah. He sees God and he falls to the ground and he says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and I've seen God. He goes, I cannot even stand before God's presence. I am not impressive enough. And Jesus points Nicodemus to something that happened back in, again, Jesus pointing Nicodemus probably back to something in the Old Testament. He says, he speaks about this incident in Numbers 21 about the, 
the time when the Israelites were grumbling about Moses and God sent him poisonous snakes and they were being bitten, they were dying and they cried out and God said, Moses, make a bronze snake, stick it on a pole and set it up. And whenever people look at that snake, they will live. They won't die. It's not that this bronze snake was magical. It's that the people had to recognize their need for God. It was about trusting in God, depending on God. And Jesus says in the same way, only those who look to the sun lifted high will have eternal life. And that's probably where John, the gospel, leaves Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Um, we, we can't be 100% certain, but verse 16 is, is quite possibly John, the apostle's commentary on what has just happened. Summing up for us the good news of God's incredible love of his sending his one and only son. Not just to those who are impressive, but to the world, to the world that stands in opposition to him, to the world that is tattooed beyond belief. By the way, if any of you have tattoos, it's not the unforgivable sin. I'm just using it as that because of the children's story. Getting into God's kingdom is not about how impressive we are because there is always a higher mountain. I don't know if you've ever been mountain climbing or even just walking up a mountain and you, um, even somewhere like Bluff Knoll, you go climbing Bluff Knoll and you go, ah, oh, fantastic. We're almost at the top and you turn the corner. <laughs> you're just at a flat spot and there's more to come. That's, that's the road of impressiveness. There's always another corner and more to go. But getting into God's kingdom is not about that. It's about Jesus. Those who believe in Jesus aren't condemned, but those who refuse to believe in him stand condemned already. Because it's only by looking to him, it's only by trusting in him that we can have new life, that we are born again. The wind does what it will, said Jesus. What does God want to do? God wants us to be saved. God has acted to make new life available for us. So why, why wouldn't we accept it? Because we like being impressive. We like the idea of being impressive. And when we come to Jesus, his light has a habit of exposing how unimpressive we are. That's what John says here in the last few verses of this passage. He says, we're afraid of our evil deeds being exposed, which is terrifying for those of us who think I'm good enough or, or those of us who think, well, at least I'm better than that person. If God really knew me, he would want nothing to do with me. But listen, listen to what John says right at the end here. John chapter 3. He says, All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. 
But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Or, or another way to translate that, it's uh, those who, uh, who do what is right come to the light so that others can see God at work in what he is doing. When we come to the light, we actually are transformed. We, we are given that new life. Everything we do is done in the sight of God, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Because we are not saved by what we do, we are saved by what Jesus has done. We are saved by trusting in him to make us new. When you're born again, um, the deepest comment of this whole sermon, once you are born, you usually start living. And when God gives us new birth, he starts living in us. He starts transforming us to be more and more like Jesus. In anticipation of that day when he comes and makes us brand new. And ironically, <laughs> the more God is at work in us, the more genuinely impressive we become even if we don't realize it, because the more God is at work in us, the more we start looking like Jesus. But that's not something that we can attain by, well, let me put it this way, it's not a means to an end being impressive. It's a consequence of the end. It's a consequence of who Jesus is. And so, I think Nicodemus challenges all of us with our desire to be seen to be good, or at least to be not that bad, and says, are you coming to Jesus because of a desperate feeling that you just don't measure up? Come into the light. Find new life. Stop trying so hard and realize that there is a newness. The joy of being with God. Better, better by far than a family games night. Life with God forever. I, I don't know. I, I think this is a challenge. I, I know this is a challenge for me to read the story and go, yes, it's about Jesus, not about me. And I hope God will challenge you guys with the same thing to go. It's about Jesus, not about me. I hope today when you feel that inclination to run away, you instead run towards the light and say, it's all about you, Jesus. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he, he took some bread and he broke it and he gave it to his followers. And he said, this is my body which I've broken for you. And they ate it. And he took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. I'm not sure if they really got it that night, 
there was an argument there at the Last Supper. Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And they all started going, it's not me, is it? At one point, Jesus said, all of you will betray me. And Peter said, I will never betray you. And everyone else chimed in and said, no, 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 no. I will never abandon you, Jesus, I think it is. Why? Because they wanted to be impressive. Not I. Jesus knew. It's about his life. It's about his blood. It's not about us. It's about him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your blood poured out for us. Thank you for your grace towards us. Lord, we need you. Lord, we are not impressive. Lord, we have squelched through the mud. We have run through the mess. Lord, so often we want to run away and, and, and so often we assume that you would want nothing to do with us. But we thank you that you loved us while we were still sinners and you died for us. And I pray that I thank you for giving us new life in your son. And I pray that we would live out of that, not out of the old life, Jesus. That we would stop trying to get into your good books when you have already done everything for us to be right with you. And Lord, I pray that as a result of this new life, you would be transforming us to be like your son, Lord. Not that people would look at us and go, how impressive, but they would look at us and go, how impressive is their God? Lord, we want people to see your goodness in us. So work that in us, we pray, Jesus, for your glory. We are your children. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to uh, sing uh, one last song together this morning, uh, if I can find where my page is. We're going to sing a, an old hymn called The Song of Love. Uh, let's uh, sing together. If, if you know it, um, that'd be wonderful. If you don't know it, you'll pick it up very quickly. Let's sing together.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord give you his joy. May he give you his peace. May he give you a full assurance, assurance that you are his. And that it's not about how impressive we are, but it's about how impressive he is. God bless you. I'm going to open up all the microphones and uh, let's stay and have a chat. Let's have a talk with each other. God bless everyone.